Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands. In Season 2, Episode 32, we talked to Lydia Metzger about the Vertex String Quartet. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. And Tim, we had a great conversation with Lydia Metzger this week about her string quartet. And as we were talking about it, it came up that you teach a music class. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what that's like? So I, I'm privileged right now to teach our third through eighth grade music classes at St. Mark Lutheran School in Green Bay. And I have a lot of freedom in content. I have some specific standards to meet, but we are not based on a set curriculum. So I've got a lot of freedom to choose uh, different units and things like that that fit our overall standards that are necessary for our Fox Valley Lutheran schools. But at the same time, I can I can really cater them towards my students' interests, towards things that may be modern. We can still learn about rhythm, but we don't have to do that by completing worksheets. We can learn about uh, the Blue Man Group and how they do you know things <laughs> like that. So recently, over the last uh, four weeks, yeah, four weeks-ish, three weeks, we've been studying a, a unit on uh, eight of the most influential composers of, of history. And of course, most of those composers that we'll talk about are uh, from the Baroque era, from the um, Romantic era, or periods, and things like that. And it was interesting hearing Lydia talk about some of the pieces that she'll be playing and naming some artists and talking about things, and I'm like, wait... I'm teaching my kids about that right now. Like, it's cool to think that something that I'm teaching my students might actually pique their interest to be a professional musician like Lydia is. Like, she, she studied violin performance, and she is literally a professional musician doing her passion. She's able to perform with orchestras, obviously pre-COVID and things like that. But to be a part of a quartet like this and play songs that are from these composers that lived hundreds of years ago, but also playing modern songs. Like, there's something unique about that. Yeah, I think it, you know, the the tendency is to kind of think you like one or the other, right? That you either, you're really into classical music and you, the newer stuff doesn't appeal to you or vice versa or something like that. But it can be a, a both and situation. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing, like... I fully expected my students to be like, oh, this stuff is from forever ago, like, what's the purpose of it now? And talking to them and we, we go through our actions at the beginning of each class period and i say like today i will i want the students to read those out loud and they do it and recognize the importance of these composers and then see how a lot of what they have done translates into what's being done now with modern composers who are doing things like they may have a classical sound but even these composers were doing things like that once she talked about dvorak when he traveled from his native he claimed to be hungarian because um, he was born during the austro-hungarian empire when he traveled he got a specific invitation uh, to travel to the United States to live for a while to be uh, an adjunct professor at a music conservatory and also had an invitation to conduct music at Carnegie Hall. He was able to come to a place that, you know, they refer to as the New World. It was the United, like America the fir- for the first time visiting. And just his travels and seeing things and hearing things for the first time, it inspired him to create almost a whole new sound that was different from his roots. And that's something where you can take something old and make it new. You can take something new and make it sound old. 
like you said, it's it's a both band if they're not mutually exclusive. We'll we'll have lots more thoughts on this as we get into our conversation with Lydia. So let's go ahead and do that now. One quick editor's note before we get started. Lydia incorrectly states the time of her concert. It will be at 7 p.m., not 6 p.m., as she states in this upcoming interview. Today, we're excited to welcome back to the podcast our good friend Lydia Metzger. Welcome, Lydia. Hello. Uh, For our listeners who may not have caught your previous episode, could you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm I'm a violinist who lives currently in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I went to school in Wisconsin and moved up here with my husband two years ago. I teach uh, Suzuki violin and piano lessons, and I play in a couple orchestras in Edmonton, and then also in a string quartet, the Vertex String Quartet. We're kind of curious, what what has it been like as a professional musician uh, during a pandemic? Uh, What kind of uh, changes have you guys had to make? Uh, have think what things have been canceled? What things are you still able to do? What's it been like? Yeah, it's it's been an adjustment for a lot of different people in the arts community all over the world. Um, back in March, when everything shut down, I was set to play piano for a for a music festival here in Edmonton, and that was going to be keeping me busy for about a month's worth of gigs. And all of a sudden, that was completely gone. So, you know, just getting settling into that and getting used to what online lessons were like, um, getting students comfortable with that and being prepared for each of those was interesting. But, you know, six or seven months later, it is starting to feel more like the new normal (laughs) and feeling a little bit more settled. It's been interesting with with performing in larger groups as well. A lot of orchestras have been trying to adapt to what it's like to be playing in a large group. Thankfully, I play a stringed instrument, so it's not like I'm blowing, you know, particles everywhere. And it's been a bit of a rougher year, I think, for wind and brass players trying to adapt what they do to what they can't do right now in covid So this year, I decided not to play with my orchestra just because of scheduling, and it it was made more complicated with COVID. But thankfully, I began playing with the string quartet out of Edmonton um, in May of this last year. And they are a string quartet that's been together now for about five or six years, and they happen to be looking for a violinist and um, we're a small enough group that it's safe for us to meet regularly, and we we take a lot of precautions when we do meet to rehearse. Um, so that's been kind of a, a fun way to be able to continue playing and, and honestly just seeing people regularly because it's gets hard when you don't get to, to see friends regularly. Yeah. And you, that uh, quartet you're in has an upcoming concert, right? Yes. Could you yep. Tell us a little bit about that. When when is it? Uh, how can people uh, attend? Yeah. So we've we've been kind of going back and forth about how it is we're going to be presenting this, um, and we've decided in the last week that we're just going to be doing a live stream concert, not not a hybrid as we were talking about, um, and we're performing in downtown Edmonton at the First Presbyterian Church. It's going to be on November 28th at 6 p.m. 
and um, we'll be providing a live streaming link as that date gets closer. And um, we have a we have a Facebook page, the Vertex Quartet, that um, will have all the extra information you might need for that performance. So as you're preparing for a concert that is was either going to be hybrid or is only live streams, what does that look like for you not having an audience there? I know as a, a church musician, for me, it was very difficult for me to feel like I was connecting with the members of my church when we were only digital for the service. So I wonder what that's like for you as you're preparing for a concert experience. We are used to feedback and clapping between movements and things like that. Absolutely. That's a really good question. We we did a, a sort of a shorter condensed live streamed concert a couple of weeks ago in conjunction with um, an art gallery in downtown Edmonton. And it was, yeah, as I said, completely live streamed, no audience. And the nerves were certainly still there, but I don't think they were quite as tangible as they would be with an audience and, you know, lots of eyes on you, lots of visible eyes on you. Um, and it, we do definitely miss that, that it, automatic feedback, that the energy of an audience and the applause of, of an audience. Um, but at this point, also, honestly, we're just happy to be performing in any way because it's just something that, that the four of us really enjoy doing, sharing the music that we get to work on all the time. And um, even if that means that we're doing it through a video camera, we're still incredibly grateful to do it. Sure. As you're uh, preparing for this, how many, maybe this is a tough question to answer, but how many hours of work do you think uh, go into preparing for something like this, this concert specifically? Yeah, we started meeting together for weekly rehearsals back in May. And each of our rehearsals is probably two, two and a half hours. And then in the last couple months, I think we've been meeting two times a week. So that that's just the work that we do, the four of us together, and kind of work through and talk through how we want a certain movement expressed or a certain phrase expressed in the music. And then we do a lot of work, obviously, on our own, um, individually getting our, our parts ready for everybody to hear. And that's, you know, depending on the schedule, I usually get one to two hours of practice in five to six days a week. Um, so that on top of rehearsals is, it's a lot of prep. It's, it's great though. It's, it's really, a such a joy that we get to spend our time doing it. So could you tell us a little more about this particular, um, concert that you've put together? Um, what can people expect to hear? Yes. So we're going to be performing three string quartets. Uh, the first quartet that we're going to be doing is by Haydn. Um, it's the Emperor String Quartet, and it's one of his later string quartets. And if you're not so familiar with Haydn, he he was kind of considered the father of the string quartet. He he wrote over a hundred of them, and he really kind of cemented what that that form of music would be for a lot of people that came afterwards. Beethoven came after him, and he was huge in in developing this the the quartet from what Haydn had done. And um, I suppose this particular quartet is especially notable because it it has the Austrian theme in it um, that he had kind of what he was inspired to write after hearing the English "God Save the Queen" national anthem. 
Um, so we kind of get to do a, a series of variations on that Austrian theme that's very recognizable um, and, and makes it kind of unique. We're also doing the, the Dvorak uh, American String Quartet, which is really wonderful and probably one of the most popular string quartets out there. Um, it's based on a lot of African-American and Native American tunes that he heard on a trip to the States. Um, he was kind of famous for writing a lot of Hungarian folk songs and going out into the country and, and um, basing a lot of his music on the folk music of the people in, in Hungary, where he was from. And he sort of did a similar thing when he came to America. He also wrote the New World Symphony around the same time. It was inspired by the same trip, if you're familiar with that symphony. Um, and that's just a wonderful kind of folksy tune. I'm the only American in the group, so I actually get to play first violin in that one. And I, I it's, nice. it's fun. It's a, good, it's a good stretch. It's a good stretch for me. And then our third quartet is actually composed by the cellist in our group, Conrad Sobirai. Um, and he, it's his first ring quartet that he wrote, I believe he wrote it two or three years ago. He's a composition and cello student at the University of Alberta here in Edmonton. And he based off, based the string quartet off of um, a song called Off by a 1976 Italian band, uh, Piccio del Pozzo. So it's a progressive rock band, uh, Italian and it's a really, really cool piece. Conrad is, yeah, I think you guys will really like it. Conrad is um, a wonderful classical musician and just a very good cellist, um, but just has a, a really wide range of interests. So it's been really fun for us to dig into that, but then also to have the composer right there in rehearsal with us to bounce questions or ideas off of all the time. Can I dig into that for a second? Because I've recently been teaching my students the uh, eight of the most influential composers in history. And of course, we talked about Haydn, we talked about Dvorak. And for me, that's really cool to think about when these composers would come. For example, Dvorak came, he was able to conduct his own music, I believe, at uh, Carnegie Hall. And to be able to be performing with the composer, can you just talk more about what that's like? <laughs> yeah, it's... It's really a like a, a wonderful privilege that we get, and it's special in that we get to sort of experience the joy that he gets out of it as well. I think he's he's pretty happy performing for somebody else's creative vision. It's it's really a neat thing, and I think it's an important thing to to keep currently alive composers in the performance in the performance realm and keeping them engaged with the people that are hearing their music and getting to perform their music. It's, it's really kind of a full circle feeling that is, is just wonderful. It makes me think a lot of uh, Eric Whitaker, for example, who is, you would say almost like a modern classical composer. He, he tops the classical charts in the UK all the time with his compositions, even though his performances and his, his pieces would be considered very modern. And I feel like the same could be said about Conrad and your group as well. Yeah, definitely. I have a question about what preparing and like what rehearsals look like as far as when you're working on that piece that he wrote and he's right there versus 
you know, just doing Haydn or Dvorak. Is is it different? Are the conversations you have different? Do you just like kind of let him take the lead, or do you still kind of bounce ideas off each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. With with these rehearsals, I would say that he's def- he, I, Conrad takes the lead on it, but he's definitely open to criticism if we have sort of a we're kind of questioning a, a decision that was made or we're not sure that he really meant to write a, a flat where he wrote a flat. And he, he definitely, I mean, we're all asking questions all the time and all kind of suggesting a different speed or direction or feeling in a, in a certain phrase. And sometimes like I'll bring up, a feeling that I that I think should be conveyed through this passage, and he said, "Oh, actually, this is kind of what I was going for in this in this section." We had a section recently in the first movement of this, where he had originally written it to be arco, so all with our bows on the string. And hearing us play it again, he was like, "What if we just did this all pizzicato, so all plucking our strings?" And we all kind of a couple of us threw out a couple of, of ideas, and then we settled on one and. We end up pizzicatoing for this section now, which is really, really fun and, and changes the energy and the just the whole dynamic of that section. Um, so it's it's Conrad, and it's definitely his brainchild. But in a, in another way, it's also I mean any any quartet performance is a collaborative effort, and it, it might be even a little bit more when you have the composer right there. Well, that's got to be cool to be able to, to to debut this for the world as a you know as his quartet that he's a part of that you guys are all a part of, and really showcasing that uh, modern piece as you mentioned. Definitely, I should say it's not actually a debut. This the same quartet uh, with different members uh, did the official debut a couple of years ago, but we're doing it again now in this concert. Awesome. Another question I had uh, in regards to the format of a quartet performance. I'm not sure if I've been specifically to just see a quartet play. Do you explain pieces before you go, or do you simply start the concert and and play one piece and then write into the second piece after a pause? What does that look like? Yeah, and you know, it's also it it looks different virtually versus in person because normally in a in a program you have an actual physical program you hand out. And then there are a lot of performance notes in there for people to read. Um, and, you know, it really depends. I think some some concerts and some groups really enjoy talking and engaging with an audience before they begin. And some really just like relying on the performance notes. We're not planning on publishing any performance notes at this time. So we probably will be chatting with the camera and with the virtual audience beforehand. And... Um, we do like to kind of break up the performance by quartet and kind of chat about each composer or piece before we begin. Awesome. Well, I know I certainly am looking forward to that. Um, one more time for our listeners, uh, what day and time is it? It's going to be on November 28th at 6 p.m. And we'll have the, the live stream linked uh, with Wells Creatives, and then also with our Facebook page, Vertex Quartet. And that's 6 p.m. Mountain Time, correct? Correct. Thank you for the clarification. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, Lydia, we want to thank you for taking the time uh, to talk to us today. It's always a pleasure. 
Thank you. Again, a reminder that the time of the concert was incorrectly stated. It will be at 7 p.m., not 6 p.m. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you've got questions you want answers to, people you'd like to hear from, or you're an artist wanting to share the newest thing you're working on, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And we want to say thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast, especially our newest patron, Cindy Krieger. We appreciate your patronship and your support. For those who are interested, make sure to check us out. And if you want to keep supporting us financially, we'd love for you to do so there. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.